When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And in a couple of minutes, we are going to be speaking with our political correspondent about the announcement yesterday by the government, a series of measures to try to mitigate the cost of living. That's how the government are talking about it. 505 million euro is what the package is worth. We had been speculating that the package would be worth 400 million, but they've dug even deeper into the bank vaults and it's 505 million uh, euro and we'll go through the different things that were announced yesterday I suppose the one that everybody knew was going to happen was the energy credit that's the one that where the money we're going to get from our electricity bills that I wouldn't quite say it's been doubled because to double it they would have had to have gone to 230 odd euro where it's 200 euro now and the 200 euro is going to be inclusive of the VAT. Uh, anyway if you've got a comment uh, in on what you've heard already about what people are to get it's the money off the the electricity bill people on fuel allowance are to get an extra lump sum and then there's kind of tweaking around the edges at a couple of things the, the drug payment scheme there's a, going to be a reduction there the front loading for the working family payment there's also going to be a, a reduction on public transport so if you use public transport a lot that certainly is good news and I'm assuming that that's something the Greens very much will have welcomed and if you have children who go to school on the school bus there's going to be a reduction in, cap, in the cap on how much you actually pay. Now I know the Minister for Public Enterprise and Reform Michael McGrath is saying already that the government is recognising that the latest measures to address the cost of living won't meet every need and it won't solve everyone's financial problems because I was already seeing this morning that a number of charities that work with people are already saying look this literally isn't isn't enough and isn't going to go uh, far enough but your thoughts welcomed is there anything in the package that you'd say well well done to the government at least they are trying get your thoughts into us as I say John Paul taking the calls or you can text our WhatsApp and there certainly isn't anything that I can see contained in the budget to help people with their housing needs and rent. We've spoken about rents on the programme this week because of course the daft.ie showing the increase in rents all over the country. But looking at the increases I mean in the county of Cork they've gone up by 10% and in the city I think up by nearly 7% and people are really really struggling just to keep the roof over their heads. Ema was already on to this this morning saying 
I heard the gentleman who commented on your programme yesterday. This was the, the guy who messaged us. He was listening to us on his smart speaker in Dublin and he was saying he's now in a position while his life is in Dublin. He has to move out of Dublin because he literally can't afford the rising cost of rent, what he's paying at the moment and simply trying to balance the books and feed and heat and light. So he says he's no other choice, but he's got to now look for a new, cheaper property, which means he's not going to get anything in Dublin. So now he's moved, got to go out, move out into the suburbs he's, or move outside of Dublin, not even to the suburbs. I think he was talking about having to, he's looking in around Kildare, which means he's now going to have to put a commute onto his working life, both getting to work and getting home from work and obviously, he'll have to factor in the additional cost of that. But he's, he has to move to try to get a cheaper rents. Anyway, Ema was on to say that a colleague that she is working with is about to move into what her friend describes as a very ordinary flat, along with her partner in Dublin. It's in a Dublin suburb. It's not in the city centre. And the rent is two thousand euro a month. Emer said, think about that. Two thousand euro a month. That's twenty-four thousand euro a year that'll be given to some anonymous landowner. What on earth do we have a government for and what on earth are the government doing about housing? I mean that's just uh, incredible, isn't it? And that's obviously a two it must be a two income family. You have to earn a lot of money to come up with €24,000 just to pay the rent. And God knows if that €24,000, that would pay off the mortgage on a fine size house if you were paying €2,000 a month from your mortgage. It's just, so, you know, they're obviously a young couple. Uh, How do they they save when €24,000 every year is going straight into, as Emer has phrased it, an anonymous landlord. It really is, it really is hard. And then I suppose with everybody talking about the cost of living and everybody talking about things going up, uh, and then we had the Minister, Sean Fleming, saying, look, we can all do our own bit. Don't be moaning, don't be complaining. See what you can do yourself uh, to save money. And that's what we've been looking for this week, people to come up with suggestions. Have you found a way of saving some money? I mean, there are all the obvious ones, which are kind of probably the ones that, you know, Sean Fleming was talking about, about, you know, switching and shopping around for a better deal on things like your uh, electricity. If you, you know, if you haven't changed your electricity supplier, look to changing. You certainly will make a saving there on your mobile phone. One of the top suggestions is to move to a SIM only mobile deal. You can save money on that. If you are in the lucky position that you can afford health insurance, shop around on your health insurance your TV, your broadband provider. Again, once you're out of contract, take a look at what's on the market because usually when you are a first-time customer, that's when the greatest bargains are to be had. And then the key is is to make a note of when your contract is up and then to do the shopping around again the following year. But all of that, of course, does take time. And as we heard only this week, if you pay, if you have taken out a mortgage, I think since 2019, and you switch your mortgage, there's really good deals out there as well. And then somebody during the week was on to us as an example of what families can do to try to save a little bit, particularly on the weekly shopping bill. Somebody had contacted us to say if you can bulk buy 
and the bulk buy item that they had spoken about was uh, tea bags. And Anne is picking up on that saying, Patricia, I heard your programme during the week where the, the, I don't know if it was a lady or a gentleman, the listener said that they bought 600 branded tea bags at a local co-op store and they got them for 21 euro. While I appreciate that it was branded tea bags, if you go with own brand, they are much cheaper in supermarkets. Because for a while I was always going with the branded tea bags until I discovered an own brand in a supermarket 160 tea bags for €1.95 isn't that really cheap that is €7.80 for 640 so that is way cheaper than our listener who spent the €21 on the 600 branded to under €8 for 640 tea bags now says Anne to be honest I do love my tea, but I have to be very honest with you, I was unable to taste the difference. So that I'm now making a saving of €13.20. Euro Veg do- doesn't carry any VAT. VAT is only placed on ready-made foo- foods. So it is far cheaper to make your own soup, for example. You can make it once a week than purchase ready-made soups. In fact, the saving could be more than €20 Euro in a week if you're making soup for a family every day. All of the convenience food has increased beyond belief. That's why I don't buy it. And because of that, I see very little difference in my weekly shop. My weekly shop isn't going up because I'm not buying any of those convenienced foods. And also, Anne is making a suggestion on the loyalty vouchers. You know, where if you spend 50 euro you get 10 euro off Anne is saying that they are very good value if you use them very cleverly she discovered for example in Dunn's if you shop on a Thursday you'll get an additional voucher which is a 5 euro off for every 20 euro spent and she said you can go and spend that the following Sunday you can pick up the Sunday papers do a top up of the veg for all the lovely vegetable soup that Anne is making get a couple of cartons of milk and you might even get yourself a little bit of a treat and you can do all that for 15 euro because you'll get your 5 euro off when you spend 20 she said it can even include a chicken so she's saying there are ways to shop around you being you're a very clever shopper and I think that that is the way that people are going people are trying to do their very, very best. I think that's what frustrated me about Sean Fleming when he was saying to, you know, and I know he subsequently apologised, but when he was saying to people, stop complaining and, you know, shop around and, you know, get the best bargains that you can get. Like, wake up and smell the roses, sir. People are already doing that. I was reading a piece in a lot of the papers are doing interviews with people from around the country, just normal families asking them, you know, what are they doing to try to make ends meet? You know, and I saw an elderly woman who was saying there was a time where she always would have had meat on her plate, meat and two veg every day for dinner. Now she says there's many days of the week when she can't, when she's not able to afford milk. So she's substituting a couple of eggs for the protein rather than having meat every day. And that people are doing really, really living very frugally in order to have the money to pay for the huge ESB bills that are or electricity bills that are arriving on people's uh, doorsteps. So people are. Uh, so there's a, a clever one from Anne. She is managing to save money, but she's saying the best tip she can give to people is please avoid the convenience food. You know, those ready made dinners, because she's right, they are the ones that do have that on top of it and try and go back to, I suppose, back to what a lot of our parents and our grandparents did, back to the basics like Anne cooking up the big pot of, you know, vegetable soup and you can 
as Willie from Yall who, who annoyed a lot of people but he did make the point you can buy veg cheap, cheaply so if we go back to cooking from scratch again if you have the time to do it but you know you'd always worry about people who are really really struggling financially and almost can't see the wood from the trees hard for them to stay focused and know that they have to start planning and cooking from scratch but there are certainly savings there to be made if anyone else has examples of savings that you can pass on to other listeners let us know we'll be only too glad to, to share them with others. Lovely WhatsApp in from Mary Scannell in Kiss Game to say Hi Patricia, what a surprise I got this morning when I received the Sam and Sue book that you gave away last week. I had no idea I had won because I didn't hear the results. Thanks a million. But I would like to warn listeners about a scam in relation to their AIB bank account. I received a message saying that my online access was limited and to restore it I needed to go to AIB online. When I checked with the bank they said do not click on any link it is a scam so please please warn other listeners uh, to please be uh, careful and they're starting to look some of those scams Mary are starting to look so realistic that you really do think it's coming from the uh, bank have a great day and glad that your salmon subuk arrived safely okay we're going to take a quick break and we're back with our uh, political correspondent looking at what was announced yesterday Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business Farm Life and Health Insurance CMIG.ie Measures to help people cope with rising living costs were announced by the government yesterday. Our political correspondent Sean Defoe uh, joins me to look at them in more detail. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning. Sean, an awful lot of pressure on the government, wasn't there, yesterday to get it right because so many people are struggling. Absolutely, yeah. Big pressure on everyone is feeling it. I don't think, you know, a lot of talk about people who are on lower incomes and social welfare and rightly so, but also people who are on uh, quite good incomes and middle incomes as the Tornister was stressing during the week, really feeling the, the pinch, whether it's uh, in the shops, whether it's at the, the petrol pumps or just in other parts of life, like it is everywhere at the minute, you really can't escape it. And hence the reason why the universal element of the electricity credit or the energy credit, as they're speaking about, that's going to be paid to everybody. Yeah, that's the, the big picture one that's going to everybody. It's doubled from its initial €100 Euro to €200. Euro. And you're probably going to see that Eamon Ryan saying in March, some of the other people in government saying probably your April bill is when you might start seeing it. It'll go directly to the electricity suppliers. It's never going to come into your own account. Uh, but it's €200 accredited towards electricity bills. And obviously, if you if you don't use €200 Euro in that particular month, if it's 120 or whatever, then the, the rest of the credit will carry over to the next month. But that, that is a fairly significant one and one that is going to affect uh, every household. But the criticism is that it goes to high earners, but they had to make it universal. It's the easiest way to pay it out, wasn't it? Well, if you get into means testing it, like we would be waiting a lot longer than two months for it. That's the, that's the problem when you get into means testing any of these. And I think a lot of people will say, yeah, rightly so. I mean, people on millions millions are going to get the exact same as people who are on the minimum wage. That, that doesn't necessarily seem fair, but it, it is more about moving quickly if they've tried to... to give it to just a certain amount of people then you're talking about quite a lot of paperwork quite a lot of headache people probably challenging it as well and that, that's where you get into difficulty so that's really it's, it's the interest of speed that they've, they've done it this way Okay and that's where the bulk of the 505 million euro package that was announced yesterday that's where the bulk of it was going Okay then the other the next one is is a much more targeted one the fuel allowance lump sum 
Yeah, so this they, they were they were always going to do something around fuel allowance. It was the one that kind of made most sense once they had ruled out kind of broader social welfare increases and tax cuts. They said, right, well, fuel allowance is a targeted one. We know the people that are on it. We already have that instant database, so you don't have the issue that you would have with means testing. Other things, some of the talk was about extending the season. It's already due to go to April, and they've done that before when we've had particularly cold springs where they've extended it through May, etc. But instead, they decided a lump sum easiest way to go, €125, and that payment is going to be made to anyone on the fuel allowance in around Paddy's Day. Okay, and then the working family payment, and this was something that got announced in the October budget. Yeah, this is so this is bringing forward, it's one that doesn't cost you a massive amount of money for the government to do because they'd already agreed to do it just later on in the year, a €10 a week increase in the the working family family payment, and instead of coming in later in the year, now that's going to start again in in April, so that's something that will benefit them, but it's not a a new policy as such, it's just moving forward, one they'd already agreed. And I suppose for families who have people who need medication every month, the drugs payment scheme, there's to be a reduction in that. Yeah, this again kind of bringing, a lot of what was there yesterday is kind of bringing forward policies they had already tended to do maybe at a later time, so and um, the the uh, drug payment schemes say the kind, the kind of threshold or the, the contribution payment it used to be 144 euro was reduced in the last budget down to 100 and now they've decided to reduce it down uh, to 80 and very much ministers saying last night like look this is government policy we've said we were going to do this over a number of years anyway and with people just particularly struggling they decide to move ahead with that I think uh, the Department of Health were kind of keen to push on maybe even further with a further reduction of it um, but that's probably not going to come until the budget or maybe next year instead so for now it, it, it's reduced to 80 from 100 and anyone who uses public transport will be paying less. Yeah, this is one of the, the kind of surprise pieces of it. We've kind of loosely heard things were talked about in relation to uh, to public transport. And we, the for example, what they agreed in the budget last year, where there would be half price public transport for anyone aged between nineteen and twenty three. And one of the side notes last night's announcement was that date has been brought forward. It was going to be the end of summer. Now that's going to be probably the end of April, in line with this twenty percent reduction. And it will be across all. PSO or public um, public transport really so you know bus air and Irish Rail local link there's a, a full list of them Lewis if you're in Dublin all, all those uh, those ones are going to have a 20% reduction now Minister Michael McGrath saying it's only until the end of the year that's all they've agreed but it very much feels like a Green Party win it's something that they want to move towards and indeed they want to move towards examining free public transport as a whole so even though at the minute what they agreed is just a reduction to the end of the year at a cost of 50 million or from April to the end of the year at a cost of 50 million, I think this is going to be one that would be very, very, very hard to unwind and perhaps is the thin end of the wedge in moving towards greater subsidisation of public transport in general. Again, I can already see costs coming in from some of our rural listeners saying it's of not much use to me when I don't have public transport. Yeah, and that look, that's something I put to Pascal Donahue last night because there's a lot of areas that don't. I mean, it's great if you're and maybe in the cities and you have that and I suppose local link being in it is good and there are some services but a lot of areas in the country where there's just no public transport or no reliable public transport that you could get to, to you for work. And realistically, if you're someone who has a reliance on the car and you have to use the car to get to work or to do what you're doing or you're in rural areas, there's nothing in this yesterday for you. And Pascal Donahue, when I put that to him, said, yes, look, these are targeted measures at, at particular people, and he kind of urged those people to think: Look, you're, you're getting the 200 euro electricity grant, even if you're not getting um, getting the money directly on your fuel. That's kind of a help. But in terms of actually reducing the prices at the petrol pumps, there's nothing there. Okay, and the other one that was kind of a small one is the, and it'll but it will help some families: the school transport. Yeah, exactly. 
lowering uh, lowering the fees there for, for school transport. Now, one thing I heard last night, I haven't had a chance to check up on it yet, is that actually a lot of the school transport fees are paid up front for the I, year I was anyway, just so. about to say that to you. They're, they're already paid. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know how that's going to work. Is this a benefit you get from next year? Is there going to be some sort of a rebate, which I kind of doubt because I imagine they've already paid and uh, all these companies that are running it are, are running at higher costs anyway. So that's the one that I have a bit of a question mark over how effective it's actually going to be. Great if it's kept on. And I think it was one of the permanent measures. So from next year, things will be cheaper, but the money has already gone out for this year. OK, and I did hear Michael McGrath earlier this morning, you know, saying that the, it won't meet every need and or it won't solve everyone's financial uh, problems. Uh, criticism before it was even announced, it looked like the opposition parties were criticising the measures. Well, they've been criticising it for two weeks uh, for every bit of speculation and kite flying. And Leo Varanka had a, a text enough exchange with Chris Doherty and others in the door yesterday where he said exactly that. He's like, you've written your press releases already and you don't even know what we're going to announce. And no matter what we say, it will never be good enough for anyone on the opposition benches. And look, there is an element of that, of course. It's very easy to be in opposition and to say, well, we should do this and that and the other. It doesn't matter how much it costs because they're never going to be within a whiff of government and actually having uh, to bring it in. What ministers are saying is, yeah, look, this isn't going to appease everybody. It's definitely not going to deal with the entire cost of inflation because they don't feel they can do that. And we're subject to international inflation as much as we are to local inflation. So what they can do on that point is limited. And also saying that we're we're in a big budget deficit here. it's not like we're in the money and we have loads who are slashing around, even though some tax receipts are a bit higher than expected. And everything they did yesterday is a one-off measure. It's nothing that's going to be kept into the next budget. And they were very conscious to do that because they didn't want to suddenly bake in 400, 500 million that you then have to find uh, every year. But, uh, I mean, Michael McGrath is right. It's not going to please everyone. I already mentioned that's nothing at the petrol pumps. That's going to stay where it is. Nothing to do with the, the cost of food. That's going to continue growing up. And a lot of people are going to feel that. And the government essentially just saying, look, we know we can't deal with everything, but here's something and hopefully it will help a bit. Okay, and the listener says, could you ask Sean, does he think a mini budget is on the cards? Uh, no, I no, don't. Um, no. And they, the government has pr- pretty much entirely ruled that out. Pascal Donahue, it was such a Pascal Donahue actually, like, is this not essentially a mini budget? Because you are spending 300 uh, million in, in new money yesterday and 500 million total above the budget, which uh, used to be a lot of money once upon yeah. a time before COVID, yeah. before we um, we got to spending all this. And he said, no, it's not a, the term. He's not using the term budget because he's not making any of those long-term changes that I spoke about to tax or social welfare. And they have ruled that out. They said, look, we're... we're um, what, seven months away from the budget now they'll keep everything under review and if they need to bring more measures in but there's not going to be a, a mini budget between now and then I don't think OK and you've already a lot of people are asking about the electricity do you have to apply you don't that's going to be paid directly to your supplier That's right yeah directly yeah. to I think it's actually going directly to ESB networks and then they are dealing with the supplier so now you will see it know your direct supplier which kind of rules out the chance of any of them trying to compete with each other or put up the prices um, but you, you'll never see it except in the actual bill that okay. arrives and, and I know people's electricity bills now are starting to arrive the Christmas ones it's not going to be in time for that it will be say you reckon April uh, I, I, yeah March April it'll March, be the bill after this so one yeah, it'll be the bill so after the, this one exactly yeah which is unfortunate because obviously this is the big one this is the big one we got our, got our own in the other day and the, the eyes went a bit wide they usually do alright was, uh, was it shocking it wasn't great, no. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> saying the same thing. Everyone's saying the same thing. Everyone's saying the same thing, saying the same thing. Yeah, All exactly. right, Sean, listen, appreciate it as always. Have a nice weekend and thanks for joining us in the programme. And you. Thanks a minute. Good morning to you. That is uh, Sean Defoe, our political correspondent. Uh, Michael says this country for the last 40 years is a disgrace. It's a joke. Uh, people, we seem to be all talking, no action. 
we as a nation, we the people need to march to Dublin like we did with the water charges. It worked. We got the water charges uh, reversed. Every time a politician is asked a question, they manage to work around the answer. Uh, Mary in Rathcool says the government should realise when they what they introduced on free transport. Now it isn't free transport, it's a reduction in the cost of uh, transport. That's of no use to people over the age of 65. Why? Because people over the age of 65 have free transport. So she says she couldn't understand what the big coup about was with the public transport. Well, I think the thing with the public transport and it's costing 54 million euro to reduce public the cost of public transport by 20%. That obviously would benefit Mary workers who do use public transport to get to and from work. But they are at pains to point out it is only for one year. It's from now until the end of uh, the year. And just to let people know, today is, what's today's date? The 11th of February. It's St. Gubnet's Feast Day. And St. Gubnet is the patron saint of bees and beekeepers. Who knew? And there are lots of wells to St. Gubnet around Cork. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. You can see a lot of comments coming in from listeners on the measures that were announced yesterday by the government uh, to try to offset the cost of living. I'm not ignoring them. I will get back to them, but I want to move to a different topic because yesterday on the programme, I spoke with Falta Ireland about the number of vacancies within the hospitality and the tourism industry with the recruitment and retention of staff, a huge, huge problem for many businesses. So I was delighted to see the good people of West Cork have decided to be very proactive about the issue. And joining me to discuss the setting up of a West Cork Chef Academy is uh, Neil Grant, who is General Manager of the Celtic Ross Hotel. Good morning to you, Neil. Hi Patricia, how are you? I'm very nice well. You. I'm very well, and you're welcome uh, to the program. Actually, I was thinking of you a couple of weeks ago on Burns Night. Did you <laughs> did you celebrate it? You did. Uh, we did. Yeah, we did our meal kits again. We were actually the hotel was closed for a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, we were taking a little break, but uh, but we did uh, uh, our Burns supper meal kits, which were so successful last year, and uh, had all the bits and pieces in a box uh, to be picked up by people to, to enjoy. A burns night at home, so it went really well again. We're delighted. Did you have the haggis? Oh, we did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we had haggis from um, uh, from Canturk from McCarthy's hey, this time. There you so go. we kind of, after all the red tape of trying to ship haggis from Scotland, uh, with Brexit last year, we gave up on that and we stayed stayed local properly. Well done. So, uh, well, done. <laughs> well done. Now, talk yeah. to me about the academy. Who firstly is involved in setting up this West Cork Chef Academy? Yeah, like, day one, I guess it was it was a lady, Tam Healy, that we do a bit of work with at the hotel. She helps us with our kind of leadership and development of, of our senior team, and she she's a consultant uh, who's worked with the hotel on and off for a while. And I guess she's got bored of listening to me moan about not finding staff, so uh, she kind of floated the idea uh, of the a kind of uh, a chef training program, and she'd been talking to John Byron in the Cork Training Centre, you know, the, uh, the CETB. Yeah. So she'd kind of started kind of playing with the idea and we were just sitting at the hotel one day and she said, look, it'd be great if uh, if John was willing to, to kind of uh, have a course set up at the CETB, uh, if we could get up to 12 or 16 people to, to join this course, maybe we could bolt on our own little piece to it, which would be, you know, visits to food producers once a month and we kind of make a, a bit of an academy of it and then... You know, uh, you know, we could call it the Westport Chef Academy or something like that. So we were having a general chat, and on that, I phoned uh, Sally Barnes. I said, "Well, let me phone Sally Barnes, who's a pal of mine, and 
you know, we, we get our amazing smoked fish down here. Um, I said, let me phone Sally and see, would she be up for taking a bunch of students on a, an away day, if you like, and, you know, where we could go and visit her, see what she does and see what she thinks of the idea. So Sally had then got quite excited about it. So I guess that probably got Karen and I kind of thinking, well, we're maybe on to something. So I think from there we, we reached out to, uh, we said, how do we get the, the people to the CETB, to the uh, uh, the Westside, um, Westside Training Centre in, in Bishopstown? We phoned Westport Connect and Damien Long said, I'll give six months free travel to anyone who gets onto the course. Uh, so, so we'll take care of the travel for them. So before you knew it, you just had a bit of momentum. Uh, and in fairness, I think John Byron uh, just put so much into it. He had great faith in all the hotels that jumped on board. And he just said, look, you know, it's, it's a big ask, but he said uh, it would be an April start. So uh, we had a couple of Zoom calls. The hoteliers, uh, you know, the Blue Haven, Dunmore House, Eccles, Emmett Hotel, Fernhill House, uh, in Shadoni Lodge and, and Lazard Estate, as well as ourselves at the Celtic Ross. We all had a few Zoom calls. Everyone said, you know, we need to do something. And, and that was it. Off we went. It's brilliant. It's been so, and from a practical way, just explain how it will work for the participants. Yeah. So what will happen is an April start and it's a six month um, training program. And what is a combination of learning on the job and uh, being taught by a mentor in the hotel that you choose to work. Uh, but then what happens for the first week of the course, they, they'll be on site uh, at the, the Westside Centre, uh, the training centre with the, the court training uh, centre. Um, for a full week, they'll do their, uh, you know, their HACCP training, their, their kind of the important kind of statutory training that you need to do to enter the kitchen anyway. Uh, they'll get a full week of just learning the ropes. They'll get their whites, they'll get their uh, safety shoes provided free of charge, which is amazing, uh, you know, as part of the course. And once they've done that full week, they'll then do one day a week. I think it's every Monday, uh, you know, for 26 weeks. They'll be uh, paid by the the hotel uh, that they're placed with. Uh, They'll be paid for that day of of training. Uh, And the most amazing, I mean, the training centre, the facilities are phenomenal. Uh, They're brand new equipment in there. Uh, They're absolutely spotlessly clean uh, so professional, so they'll be getting one day a week where they're literally in school, so to speak, and, and learning. And then the, the other four days, they'll be in their hotel kitchen, uh, whichever one they they've chosen to to join. Um, you know, kind of learning in the job. Uh, something that's great about it also is there's a, a pre-training, if you like, for all the mentors. So the chefs that are in the kitchens that are going to be teaching these apprentices and, and commies. Uh, they'll get a, a kind of uh, a couple of hours of, of uh, training themselves from the, the CETB and how to mentor these uh, uh, these young it's chefs. Or, it's, br- or, or it's absolutely, yeah. it, it really is a fantastic, uh, fantastic idea. And obviously, for those uh, we're trying to get the word out for people to to apply, no, yeah, exper- no experience is needed. Is, no, no yeah. experience. This is this is a. a, a an entry-level kind of diploma in food preparation and culinary skills. So they're going to come in uh, with, the, you don't have to have experience. If it's someone changing career and, and needing a bit of a change, if it's someone who's come out of school and doesn't know what they want to do, they don't need experience. And the great thing is for the hotels, they get, you know, the support uh, and it's it's completely paid and subsidised, uh, you know, so, which is just amazing. I mean, John Byron really put his neck in the line for us to get this over the line and, um, you know, he, he's uh, there's thousands of euros worth of training between the, the produce, the 
you know, the, the mentoring, the tutoring and such like. So um, it, literally you're stepping into a kitchen for the first time and learning the basic skills that you need and then you're getting to put them into play uh, in a hotel environment, uh, hotel, restaurant or function environment. Um, so I, it really is, I think, a great opportunity to, to re, re-skill or or to retrain, or to if it, if you're passionate about food, if you're you know a, a youngster that's left school and and has a bit of a grow for being a, a chef, then yeah, that, this, this is, is absolutely you get, perfect. And, and you get yeah. the training, and you end up certified at the end of it. It's a qualification yeah, at the end it's of it. Le- level two, yeah. And what's really nice about it, hopefully down the line, I hope I'm not jumping the gun, but what John had said to me is the uh, and to Karen is that the um, uh, the Commie Chef Apprenticeship kicks off in September. So if they get through this uh, kind of 26 weeks and they're doing well, they would almost be kind of, uh, excuse the pun, oven ready to go straight into yeah. the Call Me Chef apprenticeship, which is one year. Yeah. So it could really be the start of something which becomes an ongoing uh, education and training, um, uh, which is great. So, I mean, it's uh, we're just, uh, you know, in fairness, all the hotels have bought into this and have been as excited as I am about Star- it. It was um, the start of a so brand new career. For these yeah. uh, 12 uh, people, uh, which I, I just think it's brilliant. And, and we know, you know, talking about the shortage of staff in the hospitality, chefs in particular seem to be the yeah. one that everyone's looking for. Yeah, it's really tough. I think the last year was the, the hardest I've ever known it. Um, uh, as I say, you know, I would have spoken to most of the hotels that are in this programme with us. I would have bumped into, I'd be walking the dog around town and bump into Eileen Shepherd from Inchidoni and we'd both be going, Jesus, where are you finding chefs? What's going on? And, you know, uh, and I would have chat, chat to all the other guys. We'd, we'd be kind of, uh, we've talked a lot over the last two years during the pandemic, uh, the other guys and girls, and, and said to ourselves, look, you know, whether it's about COVID or, you know, protocols or whatever, you're, you're talking to them all the time. And the, the big one that kept coming up recently is, is uh, staffing. So it's been the hardest ever, and and I think that look, you can you can sit sit down and moan about it, or you can try and do something you're about it. You're being proactive. So, you're being proactive, yeah. and it's also you know listening to you. It's also a great opportunity to promote West Cork as a food destination. Yeah, well, it's uh, you know Joe McNamee and uh, you know the the food writer. He once yeah. said uh, years ago. He said uh, in the case of West Cork, I was watching some seminar, and he said uh, West Cork is world class. He said. Just think about that for a moment. And and he repeated it. And he said, we have the most, uh, some of the best produce in the world. He said, it is absolutely world class. And at that time, probably, we didn't have Michelin star restaurants. We didn't, uh, we had a food culture in terms of production, but probably it hadn't quite uh, escaped into the, you know, uh, the way it was delivered. And over the years, it's just gone from strength to strength. So I think the great thing about this course, Karen's Little Brainchild, is to add on that monthly uh, visit to a food producer or, you know, so what each of the hotels will do is they'll take, uh, you know, a, a kind of slot where they'll take care of all of the, the people that qualify for this course. They'll host them for a lunch in their own property and then they'll take them to a food producer of their choice. So, Brilliant. you know, that and these are these that. are the chefs of the future who will remember that and rem- will remember those food producers when they yeah, start start both, work. It's yeah. brilliant. Okay, um, I'm up against it in time. Um, no, Anil, how how and where do people apply? There's two ways they can apply. Uh, the advert that's in the Southern Star has Cabin Healy's uh, email address on it. So okay. if you look at the Southern Star, you've got Cabin Healy's email address for anyone that's uh, going generally, but they can go to each of those hotels 
an express an interest. And if you, if someone is based in Skibbereen and they want to be, you know, in Lazard Estate because that's close to home, they can go to Lazard Estate, register their interest with the HR department there, and we'll all be putting it out in our social media with our own contacts and our own property. But if someone is a wee bit flexible and isn't worried, then obviously they can go to Camden Healy. But the the big thing here is they'll end up, you know, if if each hotel is full with their quota, there might be another hotel that has still close by. Yeah. So the key thing is twelve people, hopefully. The word the word out to anybody interested in chefing as a career, this certainly is a must for you. Listen, it's fantastic. Best of luck with it, uh, Neil. And a pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye bye, Neil Grant. There, general manager of the Celtic Ross Hotel on the West uh, Cork Chef. Academy. Uh, well done. I'd love to see other areas replicate that as well. I think it's a terrific proactive initiative. 0818-103-103. John Paul taking your uh, calls. Uh, we take a break with news at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Text in from West Cork saying, as a retired female chef, I wholeheartedly believe that the training for cooks in West Cork is a brilliant step forward. Bravo. Well done. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, when I saw it, I just thought, what a fantastic initiative because so many businesses are struggling and rather than moaning and groaning about it, the group in West Cork deciding to get together, lighting the candle rather than cursing the darkness, I think is the saying. So yeah, bravo uh, to them and we wish them well and point anyone in the direction who has ever considered a career as a chef. If you're living in West Cork, this certainly is a fantastic opportunity for you. And indeed, you can come from outside West Cork as well. But it's a fantastic opportunity for you. Now, back to a lot of commentary about what the government announced yesterday to try to offset the cost of living. Christy in Temple Glanton, God bless your maths, uh, Christy, is all I can say to you. Uh, He says, this is by WhatsApp, regarding the €200 payout that the government have announced this is the electricity energy that every household in the country is going to get two euro off a future electricity bill it's looking like it's going to be in April anyway Christy wants to break that down he said that 200 euro payout in fact the government will automatically recoup 26 euro of it because 26 euro of it is that Uh, so that will go back to the government which means the payout is only 174 euro which works out at three euro and fifty cent per week when spread out over a full year and then it'll be gone after that because it's a one-off payment. It'll just about buy a half a bale of briquettes every week. People will go mad with this windfall says Christy. Due to the fact that the fuel prices has increased by 33% in the past year it means this €174 will be recouped through approximately 12 100 euro fills of petrol or diesel and that's due to the tax received on that 33% increase alone. The 100 euro fill would have been 75 euro a year ago for the same amount of fuel while the tax on the extra 25 euro would equate to approximately 15 euro tax take for the government. So the 12 100 euro fills will result in approximately 180 extra 
tax take for the government beyond what it would have received a year ago. This will be followed by increased carbon taxes coming in on the 1st of May. In essence, this handout is not a handout, says Christie. It's just merely a loan that will be recouped by government in a short space of time. Nothing to create all this political hype for, despite all the hype and build up to this government announcement. If they really wanted to address the issue, then a cut or a cap on that would have been the way to go instead of this sticking plaster and tinkering at the edges approach are that they could have directed the financial benefit to those on the lower or middle income brackets. Of course, the cost of fuel impacts directly on all aspects of the cost of living. In reality, this €174 will probably be recouped in a couple of weeks due to the VAT take increasing on everything. And that's not just on energy costs. And that's, say, Christy in Temple Clanton, who is a man who is good at numbers. I will give him that. Thank you for your WhatsApp. Let me go to the phones. John in in Castletown Roach uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Now, you're coming It's in defence of the government, I feel. Uh, yes, I am, because uh, the cake is only so big, and I think like that, um, uh, people don't give recognition for some of the things that the government have done in the past, from where we came from uh, after um, the, the situation with the financial meltdown in this country. And you look at um, the, the, what the pandemic has cost over the last two years. That's taxpayers' money. Billions. We're into yes. bi- no, it's not millions um, anymore, it's the billions. Front line, the payment to frontline workers, which I don't have any problem with because they deserve it. Uh, uh, we are now giving uh, approximately half a billion. Okay, there's some of it going to go back and vet. But the government, provide, on behalf of the taxpayers, provides goods and services that have to be paid for. So you're saying that they're they're doing the best. I mean, Michael McGrath himself admitted that I think if you know if he he would like to have done more, that it won't solve everybody's financial needs. It won't meet everybody's need, but they're trying. Yeah, uh, I would agree with him because remember, Patricia, we owe two hundred and fifty billion to uh, international uh, uh, lenders, which equates to fifty thousand for every man, woman and child in this country. And that, and ha- that where, has to be paid do we back. draw the line? Yeah. In terms of finding money, uh, people uh, criticised uh, um, for not enough houses being built. There isn't the manpower or the skills uh, uh, in this country to build houses at the rate that are needed to bring down rents and make houses more affordable. And um, if you if you ring up the um, planning departments of most county councils and they'll tell you that if there is a problem with water supply, that um, those developments will not go ahead because of the infrastructure isn't there to provide the, uh, uh, adequate facilities, whether it be wastewater uh, um, treatment plants or adequate water supplies. Now, it's not too long ago when people said they didn't want to pay for water. I was self-employed. Uh, I'm retired now, and thank God I'm in good health. But uh, at the end, I pay for water, and I'm also a taxpayer. You're, so, in a, uh, you're in a rural area, obviously. I'm living in a rural area. Yeah, I am, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, we only, only this week on the programme, we focused on the issue of houses not being built in in West Cork. There was the development for Oscarbury. Nearly 100 houses for Clonakilty have been turned down and it's Irish Water putting their hands up saying, 
the area won't take it. We don't have the water infrastructure and it's not even it's not even in their budget. They don't even have the money to say, well, look, we'll get to it in six months' time. Yeah, well, I mean, people will have to ask themselves the question, if they, if they want services in, the ta- in housing or um, sanitary services, lighting, whatever the case may be, it's, remember, it's the taxpayer pays for everything. The government only uses taxpayers' money to provide goods and services, whether it's through taxation or whether it's through borrowing. And, I mean, there's a limit to what we can borrow because the... Uh, Central banks around the world have indicated that there will be rising interest rates in the immediate future. And the cost of servicing the debt in this country is going to go up. So then, uh, are are we going to be able to provide the goods and services that people expect in this country? Remember, the OECD said that we have the highest spend, one of the highest spends in health uh, in any of the OECD countries, I think we are third in, 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 in that category. Yeah, so, but that's, um, that's the one that always frustrates me, uh, John, because you are right, per head of population, we pay some of the highest money into our health service and we can never get our health service right. And I, I don't know what, I'm, I, lo- I don't have the answer to it, but throwing money at health just doesn't seem to work. Which well, I mean, opposition which, politicians yeah. seem, seem to think that it does. But yeah, but that. it leads me to believe, I mean, there's, there's something, what, what is going wrong in health that we can keep putting money at it and we can have such a bad service? Yes, I, I mean, look, the person that could come up with the answer to this, I mean, we've highly paid individuals inside the HSC. Yeah, but is that the problem? We have too many highly paid pen pushers. Yeah, I, th- I think it's part of the problem because, I mean, if you look at the situation, it's doctors and nurses who cure people, not pin pushers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How right you are. But anyway, your main, the main thrust, though, of your call is we can't, we, we, all, we seem to be coming a nation where we want everything for free and there's no such thing as a free dinner. No, the taxpayer pays for it one way or another, either through taxation or through borrowing. And I think, like, uh, uh, opposition's job is to oppose everything. But, I mean, uh, the credit would have to be given to a certain extent. There's a limited budget there for everything. As I said, and I'm repeating myself, we owe 50,000 for every man, woman and child in the country in debt at this stage. So uh, do they want to pay more taxation and uh, to pay for the goods and services and if interest rates rise that's going to put extra pressure on the existing uh, services that were provided okay. by the And state. I know it was one of the reasons why they, the government parties didn't opt for a mini budget why they went for this one-off policy measures instead because they... This, exactly the point you're making we couldn't afford it we literally couldn't afford it alright listen John thank you for that and uh, thanks uh, for joining us that's John in Castletown Roach there's a lot of texts and whatsapps coming in on this issue Mick in Bottevant hi Trish once again this government have forgotten about the working self-employed people how many working people have a travel pass or get the fuel allowance and we wonder why 
businesses can't get staff. Why? Because obviously people feel they're a lot better off staying at home on social welfare, says Mickey and Butterfield, than actually going out to work. Hi, Patricia, in regards to the so-called help that the government have given to people, carers, once again, forgotten about people in receipt of carers allowance are not entitled to a fuel allowance, so they won't even be entitled to that lump sum payment that got announced yesterday for people on fuel allowance. Michael in Castletown Bear says, I, Patricia, I love the way the opposition parties say that yesterday's government help was not enough and that it should be more targeted because Leo Varadkar or Micheál Martin didn't need it. However, no mention of them themselves. If you ask any politician, uh, do they need it on a salary on average of €100,000 a year? Or when they get the €200 back on their electricity, are they going to give it to a local charity or charitable organisation who could publish, who hands it back? Across the water in England, they got a £200 loan to be paid back at €50 a month. Was that for to cover the cost of electricity, Mike? Is, is that? I didn't see that. Don't forget the taxpayer will have to pay all of yesterday's money back as well with interest. Exactly the point that John in Castletown Bear is or John in Castletown Roach is making. Thank you for that Michael. A different John by WhatsApp saying Patricia the €200 Euro electricity credit is welcome but it will just about pay a two monthly bill for many families. Electricity and gas prices will increase in the next six months and what will the government do then. Many supermarket prices have risen by 15% and more. Inflation is set to remain high for the remainder of this year. Most young people cannot afford to rent now, not to mind even consider buying a property themselves. Indeed, many now are considering emigration. What an indictment on our government, especially on the two biggest parties, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, says uh, John. And we've had a couple of calls in this week from people who are saying that that's exactly what they're doing. They are thinking of emigrating, which should be... We've had that in the past where we emig- where our, we send our brightest and our most educated and we and our youth and we send them on planes and boats to go off to other countries and other countries see the benefit, uh, not us. Uh, hi Patricia, inflation is part of every economic cycle. In the early 1990s, interest rates were at 15%. Alas, there was no radio phone-in programmes to whine about it back then. We just had to suck it up. No government handouts. We worked hard. Tax rates were even higher than they are today. We paid for our children's education. We got no help, no grants, no handouts. They are all now in highly paid jobs. But they find that they are totally priced out of the housing market. And I feel Sinn Féin and other left-wing parties are to blame. They object to everything except social housing. Uh, and social housing tenants' rent is then paid by the HAP scheme for all the single parents, all women, says this texter. Do you ever hear of a single parent dad with two or three children? Maybe some radio presenter will ask how much financial support the fathers of these children are providing. I'm not without sympathy. I'm not without empathy, but the sense of entitlement never ceases to amaze me in this country. I, listen, I'll agree, the majority of single parents who have who are raising children it's it's a kind of a societal thing when families break up the children stay with the mother but that's not to say you can't say that all the fathers are not 
contributing in some way. And it's not the fault of any family that a relationship breaks down and one ends up looking after the children desperately in need of housing. And and you're wrong. There are fathers who are single parents. There are single parent dads out there who are raising children as well. So you can't be sweeping and saying that there's none because there, there certainly are. But yes, you're right, they're in the minority compared to, if you're looking at single parent households, the majority of them are headed up by females. You are right, but you can't say that there are no dads. And you also can't say that all the dads are deadbeat and that they're not contributing because that simply is incorrect. But thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Carney's Centre there in Ballydesmond, they're hiring for full and part-time positions. It's on their shop floor and in their deli departments. You email carneyscentra at gmail.com. Experienced construction workers wanted, that's to help trades in the Lissavard area. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. Full-time fabricators are wanted for the production of windows and doors that's in the Ballinin area, 023 and Kirby's at the Wales Tail Restaurant in Clonakilty. They're looking for chef de partie and bar and waiting staff. CBs, CVs please, to Kirby's at thewalestail.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, people who give character references for convicted sex offenders will have to do so under oath and could also face cross-examination. This is under proposed new laws which have been published in the Senate. The senators worked closely with Nolene Blackwell from the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre and Nolene uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Nolene. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you. Can some of these character references almost re-traumatise the victim? Yeah, so particularly in sexual offences, when you think about it, in most of these cases, the whole trial will have been about um, the credibility of the victim, um, how they had behaved, uh, whether the whether the sexual activity was consensual or whatever. So there's already, these trials of themselves turn out to be nearly as much uh, a trial of the victim as they do of the person accused of the offence. And then if somebody is convicted, the next stage is the sentencing stage. And what is really um, very difficult for a victim to hear uh, and to see is members of their own community um, members uh, going, uh, not just going up and saying things that the victims may feel, may recognise, do not represent the real character of the person. But there's absolutely nothing that can be done about it. These character references are part of the process. In our system, we don't have a set sentence for a set offence. And we don't even actually have good guidelines uh, from the judiciary about what should be the case. But in each case, the judge has to look not only at the offence, um, at, at the, the impact on the victim, because the victim has been able to give an, a victim impact statement, but also they have to look at the offender. And so they take a number of things into account. They take into account, for instance, 
do they have um, is, is there something that would diminish their capacity to understand their crime? Um, might it be that they're so young, for instance? They take into account the financial circumstances of the person. And then the other thing that is much harder in some ways to understand how relevant it is at all is whether they are so-called respectable. So the number of people who will traipse up and say they come from a respectable family uh, this is a respectable person. Uh, they play games very well. Uh, they are. Um, uh, they're, they're, they, they do good work in their community. And the victim is there looking and listening at this and saying, well, in my case, they didn't do good work. Or indeed, they might say, in my case, the respectability meant that I wasn't believed for a long time yeah. when I went forward with the crime. Yeah, and, so, I, and I think when you say it's because, you know, generally speaking, a lot of these cases, you know, if it happened in, in a local area and if it happened in a rural area where everybody knows everybody, right. that just makes it even harder that you could have a victim sitting in the court watching you know, upstanding members of the community. It could be a local priest, you know, the, the, a coach yes. for the GAA. You know, all people that come with, you know, they're high in their local community. It just makes it really That's, difficult. Yeah. And, and I mean, what they're really saying is, in some ways, you see, it's, it's different to other types of crime because everybody knows everybody, as you say, in that community. And because normally the offender knows the victim as well and may even be related to them, you know, maybe in yeah. the same street or whatever, neighbour, a friend, whatever, in school together. So all of these things make it worse if somebody goes and says, I want to speak to the good character of this person because it's not balanced at that stage. It's not speaking about the good character of the victim. And, and, and victims are voiceless and powerless to do anything about it even where they feel that the evidence given wasn't fair or, or that the context was wrong. So I think what Senator Doherty, Regina Doherty was the person who led this, but she worked with Lisa Chambers, uh, who's the head of Fianna Fáil in the Shannad, and Pauline O'Reilly, who's the head of the Greens in the Shannad. And they jointly are sponsoring this to just say, OK, you continue to look at the offender as they are. But if somebody goes up, to say how um, amazingly wonderful this person is. Let's have a context around that. Mm. Let's see if, in fact, that is the truth. Or um, uh, let's make people be more careful about what they say. Because often, you know, this is the truth, is that a defendant will send out, uh, some, will ask a whole load of people to sign something. I, loads of your listeners, I bet, will have come across this where they've just been asked to sign something, they say, I don't know what to say. The defendant says, I'll give you a few lines. And the same few lines go in from a whole lot of people, just because the defendant is doing everything they can to reduce their sentence. Of yeah, and that's actually, somebody's asking that, what, 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 you know, what a characteristic reference is used for. It is to reduce the sentence, isn't it? It, it is, it is, to, to, to make a more lenient sentence. Now, again, um, and, and Regina Doherty said this when she was launching it as well, she's being assured all the time that character references aren't really taken into account by judges. But actually, we don't know that. Yeah. Because, you know, the judge is also an upstanding person in their community. If one of their sort of upstanding colleagues goes up and says something, they may take it more seriously. So... So the point about this is not to take away the right of somebody to emphasise their good character if it's relevant to sentencing, but to say that those who say 
that the, the convicted offender is, has the characteristics, that they have to think seriously about it, that they would have to give their evidence on oath or affirmation, whatever way you normally have to give sworn evidence in court, which would be perjury if you give it wrong, and that the, and that the victim or the prosecution would have the right to challenge uh, somebody who says that this person was of excellent character. By way of example, I will take, for instance, the, the, the guards will always say about previous offences, but if somebody has no previous convictions, but if, for instance, they were disciplined in their GAA club, in their work for sexual harassment yeah. or something, that, 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 that could be something that could be recognised by their employer, who says they're an excellent person in their job. You know, that, that there is some context given so that, the, so that the victim isn't forced to listen to things that they sometimes know are a load of cobblers. Yeah, because the person wasn't of good, good character when they were committing the sexual offence that, the that they've just been convicted of. Is it fair to say, Nolene, that the whole court system is a harrowing experience for the victim? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's an awful experience. And the difference in some ways about sexual offences is that they are so much focused on whether um, behaviour was consensual, you know, whether the activity took place with the consent of the, the parties who are before the court. So if the victim and the person charged had a consensual sexual activity, they've no business being in court, really, for the most part, so, unless they're a child or something like that, but for the most part. So an awful lot of these cases... So the court system has never set up to do what this has to do, which is to inquire into some of the most intimate things that often you wouldn't tell, you, you wouldn't tell anyone. You wouldn't tell a parent, you wouldn't tell a sibling, you wouldn't tell your best friend often. Some of the things that have to be gone into in detail in these cases. And, uh, and therefore, and, and the way we have done it until recently has been very much the same as if somebody was a victim of having their bag stolen or yeah, their coat yeah. stolen. So there yeah. is and it's the a reason, it's, But it's the reason why so many women don't go to court. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there, there are, it just, it just takes an awful lot of thinking through why you would go to court. We find, because, you know, we run the 24-hour helpline, we find a lot of the reason people will go to court, victims of all genders, uh, but it is predominantly women, of course, they'll go to court because they're conscious that this happened to them and could happen to somebody else unless the person is stopped. Or um, they're conscious that the harm was, that was done, that they are entitled to justice along the way. But you have to think long and hard about it, Patricia. It is not an easy system. Now, to, to, to be fair, there is work starting already. Our courts, our justice, Department of Justice and our government have recognised that the structures are absolutely unsuitable to deal with these kind of cases. And they're trying to tweak them and adapt them so that they will be a bit better, a bit easier, and that the people in the system understand how not to actually upset people all over again, make them fearful all over again, and abuse them, actually. The court system can be abusive right now. So all of these things, and that's where the character reference legislation, if it goes through, will come in as well. It makes it a bit it makes it gives the victim a little bit more voice 
in the court. And it gives a little bit more reality to an area where at the moment um, the victims are have to be silent and can be subjected to humiliation, even though I'm sure that's, that's not the intention, but, but that's nonetheless the reality. the reality. That is the reality. Yeah. OK, yeah. listen, uh, Nolene, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thank you, And Patricia. thanks for joining us. That is uh, Nolene Blackwell, who is with the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre on that new legislation coming in about character references for convicted sex offenders. Um, our lines are open on 0818 103 103. John Paul taking the calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMI. Like, unfortunately, as so many, my next guest has experienced mental health issues, but he found by opening up to others, sharing and talking, it helped on his journey to recovery. Now, Mark Kelly, who's originally from Derry and is a youth worker, has started a community interest project. It's called Dudes and Dogs. And Mark joins me to talk more about it this morning. Good morning to you, Mark. Good morning, Patricia. And, Very glad to be here. Well, listen, it's a real pleasure to, to speak to you. And I love this idea of the dudes and dogs. It's basically, it's a weekly walking group for men. Now, do they need to have a dog in order to get involved? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, no. Uh, and I have to confess, I don't actually have a dog myself. I'm, uh, I'm borrowing my very good friend's uh, boxer red setter cross. But I've been involved with uh, Dudes and Dogs unofficially now for for a couple of years. And it uh, just grew from there. So I got in touch with Rob Osman, who set it up in the UK. And I asked him about the possibility of bringing it to Ireland. Rob is very enthusiastic. And we took it from there. Okay, just explain how it actually operates. Okay, well, as you say, it's very simple. It's a walk and a talk. It's uh, based on the idea that men will generally open up or engage better if they have something to do. So we go for a walk. We have a chat. Uh, The dogs are there. As I say, as you rightly said, you don't have to have a dog to come. But if you want to bring your dog along, it's great because the dog is a great um, icebreaker. Mm. It's a it's a great uh, focal point and it's a great way f- to get guys who might feel a little bit uncomfortable about opening up. It's a great way for them to, to have something to talk about and just to get over that initial hurdle of, of coming over to see us. So so you meet once a week, uh, as mm-hmm. you say, bring the pooch along if you want, and you just fall into mm-hmm. step and people just start chatting to each other. That's the idea. Um, we just go for a dander. Now, um, we're, we're starting now down around the Marina Park. So we're going down around that area, down sort of as far as uh, Black Rock Castle, and then just up again. And it's just about having chats. You know, we, we talk amongst ourselves. If uh, people see us, they'll stop us and they'll they'll engage with it. other people will stop and engage with their dogs or they'll sort of see me with the logo when they'll ask, oh, what's that about? And I tell them and they say, you know, everybody I've met has been really supportive of it and really, really um, enthusiastic about it. And then we just finish off. We have a coffee and talk about whatever's on our mind. And I take it out of it, f- friendships and support grows out of that walk. 
that's the idea. It starts it starts slowly. There's no expectations. There's no agenda. There's no pressure. Um, I don't say to anybody who's coming, I don't expect them to have to make those and bodies with everybody. If people want to come, say, for a few weeks and then they want to drop out for a few weeks and come back again, the group's always there. Uh, that's kind of the one consistent part of it. It's just the idea that the group is always there and members can dip in and out as they please. But the actual uh, group that I do myself on a Saturday, that's my own sort of private thing. Um, yeah, we, we've become fast friends out of that. And um, it's been a great support for me. It's actually been a great um, network for me during during lockdown. And it really has helped me settle into life in Cork. Yeah, because I I, I read an article that uh, you you did with I, know, I saw it online uh, where you were where you you admit yourself you've lived with depression from a, a very young age. How mm-hmm. how did sharing and talking to others? How how did that help you? What what was it about that that helped you? It's going back to the the idea of what it's what you're expected to be as a man. And one of the things we're doing with Dude the Dogs, we're trying to challenge that traditional view of masculinity. This idea that men have to be strong, stoic, um, stiff upper lip. You don't admit any weakness. You don't uh, you, you don't give an inch. And for many, many years, Patricia, that just wasn't sitting right with me. Something was, wasn't, um, what's the word? It wasn't uh, genuine. It wasn't me. And I found that as I started to let my guard down and started to open up about the things that were bothering me and started uh, talking about myself and and not talking about myself as sort of a character, that this vulnerability was actually um, a strength, not a weakness. And being able to connect with people on that human level is, is much more important than trying to build an image of you know what what you think society should see as a man or what you you're brought up to believe a man should or shouldn't be and you went to aware who are a wonderful wonderful organization mm-hmm. i did aware in northern ireland uh and they they really helped me uh it was actually following a family member suicide and that's what uh stirred me on to to do something and to get help for for, for the, the struggles I'd been living with now they were they were fantastic they have they have a weekly support group and one of the things I found there was that there were other people who were feeling similar to how I was feeling and I could share what was going on for me and I could be open I could uh, be honest and I could talk about the things that were weighing me down. And, you know, they do say a problem shared is a problem halved. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And that's the that, that's the essence of it. It's that talking and sharing mm-hmm. and listening to somebody else and realising, oh, my God, I'm not the only person that feels like this or I'm that, not yeah, the only person I'm, going through this. Yeah. And a lot of men, I think, tend to internalise their problems. We We tend to take everything on ourselves and... You know, it goes back to this idea of how men should be and this idea, you know, boys don't cry and big boys don't cry and men hold on to a lot of that. And I think even though there's been 
a lot of shifts in that and it's you know it's now as as women are embracing their own um status in society and they're you know obviously women are being rightly being seen as equals men are still i think men are still lagging a bit behind because i think we've got sort of caught up in it and we were like well what do we do now you know we're, we're still holding on to this old idea of being manly man but you know today's man is not like that today's man is he's sensitive he's open he's caring he's he's vulnerable as, he's as, a lot of different things as he always was but just didn't just just didn't realize it and you ended up coming to cork to study mm-hmm. is cork now very much home for mark kelly Absolutely, you, you you're stuck with me. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> and your own mental health? Are you in a good space at the moment, Mark? I'm in a much better space. Um, you're never really in a space where you're sort of saying, "Ah, I don't have any problems." You know, it's um, the dog itself is a, is a great um, analogy for for my depression. That's I don't know if anyone's seen it, but if, if they had a chance. Go on YouTube and check out the World Health Organization did a great video uh, called uh, Living with a Black Dog. And that's basically living with depression is like living with a black a dog. dog yeah. some, some days it's barking. Some days it's not. Some days you're you're in control of it and it's sort of sitting in the corner. But the way I look at it, Patricia, is that it's always at the door. And I have to do the things that keep me right to make sure that it stays calm and placid. Well, you say you sound like that. You have a great awareness. I always think for people with mental health, having an awareness of your mental health, mm. I think is, is certainly the key to uh, recovery. And what you're doing for other men, Mark, is just uh, incredible. Would you like to see dudes and dogs groups set up all over the country? We would like to see it worldwide. That's that's that is our goal. Um, it's it's running quite successfully over in England. Uh, we're hoping now with Cork, Cork obviously being the real capital. This is where it should, <laughs> First for this everything. Is, <laughs> this is where it should start. No, no honestly, the, the goal, Patricia, is to, to get it running um, throughout all the all the big cities in Ireland Brilliant. and to try, try and get it out to as many local communities as we can. And the whole idea of it is we're always going to keep, I mean, it's, it's, there's basically no cost to it. It's just uh, we're going to keep the walks free and we're going to make sure that we um, try to keep people engaged as much as we can. It's, it's, it really is incredible. So just remind any men and their dogs listening, mm-hmm. where do you meet and people can simply turn up? Uh, no, we would ask if anyone is going to turn up, we would please ask if you would book. Uh, now, it'll be on the, the website. It'll okay. be dudesanddogs.co.uk. But if you if you just, uh, if you Google Dudes and Dogs, you'll find us. Okay. And then you can book in there for the Cork Walk. It's just to, yeah, 10 a.m. Just to let people know about numbers and stuff. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, t- it's 10, yeah. A- 10 a.m.? 10 a.m. And we meet just in front of Park Aquive. On Saturday, so Saturday or Sunday? Sunday morning. Sun, Sunday, Sunday morning. All right. And come here. Will you will you go in and get your own dog at some stage? Do you think? Oh, that's absolutely. <laughs> it's in the pipeline. It's, it? uh, my my current living situation doesn't allow for it. Okay. Uh, but no, as soon as um, as soon as I'm settled and have my own place, there will be 
at least one four-legged friend sharing a house with me. Well done, well done. Listen, you are an incredible asset to Cork. So, uh, well done on what you're doing with uh, dudes, uh, dudes and dogs, and stay in contact with us. Uh, we'd love to check in with you again, Mark. But in the meantime, thank Absolutely. you for joining. Thank you for joining us today. Pleasure, Patricia. Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Lovely man. That is Mark Kelly setting up the first dudes and dogs in a Cork for men. Get involved if you think it could be of use to you or point some family member, some man in your life you think could benefit from uh, stepping in line with the other men as they're out and about with their dogs and having a walk around. It's fantastic. Brilliant, simple concept, but a brilliant concept. 0818-103-103. Our lines are open. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Paddy McCroom was on uh, sharing a lovely story with us to say he was in the drive-thru in McDonald's in Balancholic yesterday getting food. He ordered his food and then you drive up and you go to pay and whatever. And he said as he went to pay, they said the car in front of you has paid for your food. Now he says he hasn't a clue who was in the car in front of him. All he does remember was it was a Ford Focus was in the car in front of him. So he doesn't know why the person decided decided to do it, but he thought it was such a kind act. So he says uh, in he's contacted us in the hope that maybe the person who was in the drive-through in Balancholic in a Ford Focus who decided looked in the rearview mirror and decided ah, sure I'll pay for he didn't know it was Paddy McGrew. I'll pay for the food from the from the in the car behind. Just want to say thank you. It was about half six yesterday, and uh, Paddy just thought it was such a kind, charitable thing uh, to do, and that's paying forward. There's a number of people do that. It's a lovely, lovely thing uh, to do. You'll often see it as well in places where you go in for coffees. People will you know order their coffee and maybe get a scone or whatever, and say, "Oh look, I'll pay for whoever's in after me. Let me pay for their coffees as well." It's a kind of I don't know how it started or where in the world it started, but it's. A kind of a worldwide phenomena, but it is gorgeous to be at the receiving end of it as well. So, hopefully, you enjoyed your meal, Paddy. Okay, lots of reaction and comments coming in over various issues that we've been discussing this morning, including the government and their policy measures. Just over half a billion euro they decided to spend yesterday to try to help help with the high cost. It's not to lower the cost of living because God knows it should take much more than a half a billion to do uh, that. Not everybody happy though with what's going on. Willie in Glanmire uh, is one of those ones who's against the notion that the 200 euro that we're going to get from our off our electricity, that that's going to everyone, whether you're a millionaire or whether you are living in a shack on the side of the mountain with only an electricity one light bulb for for light. Everybody is going to get that €200 Euro from your April, it looks like it'll be your April electricity bill. That doesn't sit well with Willie in Glanmire. Um, he doesn't like the idea that people on high salaries are going to get it. He's making the point that if they had decided, say in some way, to means test it, or if they had a cut-off point, like say everybody under, everybody earning under €30,000 and everyone on social welfare that they would be the only ones to receive it. He reckoned if they decided to go down that route, then they could have doubled it for the lower income families. So it's not sitting well with him. And the argument that's been put forward that if they did decide to means test it, it would take such a long time that 
it would just be too difficult to get the money out to people as quickly as they need to get it out to Willie. That doesn't sit well with Willie either. He says, surely there's technology. They could have worked something out. So he's against it being a universal payment for uh, everyone. John in Cove says, why didn't they top up social welfare payments rather than this one-off payment of €200? Euro? That €200, Euro, says John in Cove, which a number of people are pointing out, will people will be lucky if it covers one electricity bill into people's homes. In John's opinion, he said there's only one party running the country at the moment. And he said it's not Fianna Gael and it's not Fianna Fáil. So guess who John thinks is running the country? He thinks it's the Greens. The other two main parties are afraid the Greens will pull the plug and the government will collapse and they'll have to go out and face the people. That's why we're all paying top dollar for our fuel that we're putting into our car. It's because of the Green Party. He says the similar thing happened with fuel prices in 2011 and he says guess who were in power at the time? It was the Greens in coalition. At that time he remembers everything going through the roof so he's putting all the blame on to the Green Party. That's from John in Cove. Thank you for that, uh, John. Some of your WhatsApps in on this. Hi, Patricia. No talk of the minimum wage going up. That surely would help with the cost of living. Uh, no, there. it was one that was spoken, one that the opposition parties certainly uh, mentioned and charities working with low-income families mentioned, but no, it didn't get mentioned. And the same as John's point about why didn't they just increase social welfare. In order to do any of those specific measures they would have had to have had a mini budget and of course the whole plan about this is that the money the half a billion that was spent yesterday they're one-off items if they went with a mini budget it would mean that those increases would be in for this year and every year going forward and they're simply saying they can't afford to do that so that is the reason that it's just one-off payments and one-off measures that are put in place. Michael says Patricia I 100% agree with John from Castletown Roach who joined you on the programme and particularly on his summary of the what he mentioned Angola i.e. the health service which nobody seems to have an answer to. Michael says I remember a time when nuns supervised the running of all hospitals at that time any patient had no problem at all getting a bed for a patient be it in the Mercy the Bonds the North or South Infirmary or Bantry I even know of one phone call made for a bed in a Dublin hospital and it wasn't a problem at all Michael says bring back the nuns they were absolutely fantastic God bless them all and on what you were speaking about character references they should all be given in sworn statement in order to cut out fake ones well that's exactly what they are hoping and uh, that's what that bill that we spoke about with Nolene Blackwell, that's what that is all about. Actually, on when I had Nolene Blackwell on, somebody said, interesting listening to Nolene on your programme now. This listener said, I'm just after reading the examiner of the pensioner who was robbed in Canturk and this solicitor painted a wonderful picture of the man responsible who robbed that 81 year old. It actually made me sick. And this is the story in the paper of... An elderly, an 81-year-old man, yeah, from Cantork. He was sitting at his kitchen table counting out the money he had saved for his funeral. That picture in my head of an elderly man sitting in his kitchen counting out. He had five and a half thousand euro saved. And he obviously is a man, you know, he's an elderly man at 81. He's been on the old age pension now for a good number of years and he's been putting a bit away and putting a bit away and probably living quite frugally in order to gather up five and a half thousand euro. And unfortunately, there was this, I was going to say gentleman, um, this man, 
Now, now, it was completely opportunistic. A guy by the name of Jason Coffey, he happened to be walking by and noticed that the door was open. Oh, well, I don't know what he was snooping around. I don't know what he was doing anyway. He went in and he started getting on to this elderly man saying that he was after cleaning his gutters and he was in to get paid. And he took almost all of the cash and he left €150 Euro and uh, walked out. Now, and this is where well done to the Gardaí on this. They tracked him down by CCTV in the neighbourhood. He was seen getting into a van. There was a registration plate on the van. The van then was uh, traced. And it actually happened, it was during the pandemic, actually, the start of the pandemic. It was the 1st of July 2020 was when this pop entered this elderly man's uh, home in Cantor. Anyway, he was tracked down from the CCTV footage. That's why I think CCTV, CCTV footage and having CCTV cameras is so important. And I know you've got people who will be going on about civil liberties and, oh, it's Big Brother watching you and all of that. And you know something? I don't mind cameras filming me wherever I go. I'm not doing anything wrong. I've absolutely nothing to hide. So I, I don't mind if my movements are being monitored by God knows who. Because if it can catch out people like this, if it can catch out somebody who thinks it's OK to walk just because he spots an open door and that he can walk in and take this man's life, an 81-year-old man, take his life savings, the money he has put aside to pay for his funeral. And what did he do with it? He went away and he spent it on drugs. And when he went into court, he had 73 previous convictions, including two counts for robbery, 12 for, for theft and several for assault. Now, he'd been living in homeless accommodation and, and all of that, and that's what the solicitor was talking about. You know, he's... He's in homeless accommodation and, you know, he's he and, you know, he he saw an open door. There was no threat, no ransacking. He left with the money and then he used it uh, for uh, drugs. And he did when he was arrested, he did say he was uh, he was sorry. But like doesn't carry muster with me. It really doesn't, because I just think of the effect that that robbery must have on that 81 year old man who's now 82. He wasn't present, by the way, the elderly man wasn't present in court uh, yesterday. The judge has remanded him in custody for sentencing. He's going to be sentenced in next week, 18th of February, and a victim impact statement was handed into the court, but it wasn't read out from the witness box. I hope we get to hear what's in that victim impact statement, because I imagine it has had a dreadful, dreadful effect on that elderly man to have his life savings suddenly taken away uh, from him. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. It, it really is. And then there was that other elderly man and we actually spoke about him as well on the programme who had put up um, some buy and sell you know, online that he was selling a scrambler bike and of course a bunch from Dublin spotted the scrambler bike and rather than buy it they decided she will head down to, I think he was in County, he was in Selbridge she will head down and rob the bike instead. And the, the dog started barking and the elderly man ran out to see what was going on. And then he was badly beaten up by the gang. And then one of them stole the bike, stole the scrambler bike and took off. Anyway, the, a 17 year old from Dublin who can't be named because of his age. He has been charged with the burglary of that pensioner's uh, home and he was denied bail. And I was glad to see that he was denied uh, bail. Because he's also been further accused of seven, 11 other offences connected with a range of incidents dating back to uh, 2020. And his solicitor said the teenager lived with his mother and had a stable uh, home. He's now been remanded in custody to Oberstown Detention Centre and the people for court again next Wednesday. You wonder what is going on? 
and that's a 17 year old in these young people's lives but I go back again because there's always the danger when you're reading about these these on the paper and there's a focus of them on radio and on TV that it puts the fear into people I mean I think particularly the Tom Nyland case that man was on the life support machine in County Sligo that has frightened so many people and as we only yesterday speaking on our crime file with Sergeant John Kelly saying that they're not seeing a lot of these attacks because you just don't want elderly people living in total fear. I mean, obviously elderly people need to be careful and all of that and making sure doors are locked. But you don't want people living in total fear. And I spotted that Mwinton Atira has come out, particularly after Tom Nyland's uh, case. And they're aware of the unease that it's causing among older people. And they make the point that the likelihood of an older person being attacked in their own home is no greater than a younger man being attacked on a night out. In fact, Winton Atira said it's more likely that a younger person would be a victim of being beaten up rather than somebody coming into an older person's uh, home. And while it was natural for older people to identify when they hear somebody, somebody in their own age group who has been uh, attacked, Winton Atira say it's important to help allay the fear and to power people and give them a sense of security that these attacks are absolutely sporadic and communities should feel safer if there was a higher amount of guardi and more visibility, more feet, more, more feet on the beat was how Winton Atira put it. But there is a perception that older people are more likely to be victims of these sorts of crimes, where in the reality is it is actually the opposite. And so we don't want people living in total fear. And so it was great to hear yesterday Sergeant John Kelly saying that they're not seeing those kind of uh, crimes uh, here. But it all goes in and ties back to what Nolene Blackwell was talking about. She was talking about it with sexual violence uh, when somebody's convicted and these character references people standing up saying oh, they're wonderful people are then what the other one is is when the excuses are made as to why a person does uh, what they do particularly some of the, the younger people you know saying that they come from a stable household well why if they're in a stable household how do they go off and, and you know get involved with beating up an older person or robbing an older person or thinking it's okay to walk into somebody's house and just take somebody's life saving it's savings it's just wrong and do we need better sentencing is that what we need when somebody is convicted do we allow do people get convicted tried convicted and the guardie doing the very best that they can do to bring a case against somebody and then somebody goes in and because of their age or because of their circumstances you know the household they came from either because they were homeless or because they have addiction Excuses seem to be made every time and they seem to get away with it and they just it's repeat offenders time after time after time I, I get to the point that I don't even read half the cases in the papers anymore because it's just the same thing over and over and over again the number of offences when somebody finally gets convicted the number of previous offences and still they get away with suspended sentence I mean do we need to, do we need to, is it more jails we need to build do we need to keep them in jail uh, longer I just don't know what the answer is, but that's my rant. 0818-103-103. Lines are open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Drive-in bingo is on in Kildallery Creamery Yard tonight. That's at 8 o'clock, while bingo is on in Rossmore Community Centre. They've got a half-eight start with a jackpot of 58 calls. But the Mallow GAA, their bingo has been cancelled tonight. That says a mark of respect uh, to the death of their club president, Sean Cooney. Adult social dancing continues. Fremont Community Hall every Sunday. 
between 3 and 6 Declan Anger will provide the music next Sunday with Finbar Dennehy and his band the following week No Children Please Light Refreshments will be provided and the entry fee is €10 Euro with proceeds going towards the upkeep of Fremont Community Hall and fundraising is ongoing at the moment for the Jesters that's the West Cork Mixed Ability Rugby Team they are participating in the iMart World Cup in June you can support the fundraising by taking part or contributing to their 5K sponsored walk happening. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Next Sunday, people are invited to gather in the square in Dunmanway at 2 for the 5k walk around the town. Refreshments will be served after the walk. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Still getting so much commentary in about people reacting to the government and the policies that they announced yesterday to try to mitigate against the cost of living. Somebody says, Patricia, that was a handshake for the uh, rich. Uh, this government really are out of touch with what it's like on the ground. And Rose in Taris Jock, that wonderful charity shop in Dunmanway, has contacted us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Rose. Hello, Patricia. And, and listen, seeing what's on the screen, what you're about to talk about, you, th- mm. this really is an example of just how out of touch some of the Absolutely. politicians are. Tell me about the lady who came into the shop to buy. Oh, it was absolutely um, shocking. We worked in the shop for 13 years and, you know, we, we listened to stories every morning and people offloading us and we, you know, we listen and listen and this lovely lady came in with, with her baby in the pushchair, not in the pushchair, one of those rocky tops, probably a couple of months old, a lovely lady. And she just looked around and she saw this lovely little top, lovely jacket and she said, I'll take this. Is it okay if I have this? And I said, yeah, it's lovely. And it was new, it was tags on it. And I was delighted to have it for her. And next thing she said, will you hold on to it? She said, oh, how much is it? I said, two euro. Sorry, I can't pay for it until my next payday. I said, don't worry about it. I said, I'll put it in the bag. I said, there's so many of us here working. I said, you take it. I said, you'll be in again. Oh, she looked at me and the tears just came down her face. Are you with me? Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm into. I'm. I'm. Yeah. She didn't Cheers. have two euro in yeah. in her purse. That's what she said to me. 
And as I said, there's so many of us here, take it out, said you'll be in again. And she just, tears just, just came. And there was, um, so I gave it to her and made sure she had something for a cup of tea and coffee. And I told her where the coffee shop was. And a gentleman behind her must have heard the conversation. We were whispering. He heard the conversation and in fairness to him, he handed me a tenner and he said, that's for the next person that can't afford to hear. My God. I tell you, Patricia, we hear it every day. Would they ever live in the real world? Would these politicians ever stand inside our counters? It's like Catherine Schumer the other morning. Give her a million euro and let her do what the best she does with it. And that's to look after the people that need it. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Katrina's story the oh. other day of the person saying, "Would I know? I know toilet paper." I mean, God, you don't even think about toilet paper when you know toilet paper exactly. But then, if you if you don't have two euro for a little yeah. jacket for your baby, yeah. you're yeah. not going to have two euro to buy a toilet roll or to even have food. No, no. that girl went out and the tears were down her face, and she was on her own with the baby, and I was saying, "Where is she going to face?" So I was hoping she'd have that cup of coffee or a cup of tea. But that's the real world. Yeah. And to the likes of you and your radio station, your team on C103, that's the voice of the people that needs to speak. Well, listen, we just we're just trying to do our bit, but I'm I'm I have to say, in all my years doing it, and I've 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 done yeah. this program through a lot of recessions, booms and busts. This there's something about this one. That mm-hmm. is, is you know, I, I think it's probably got to do with the high cost of rent as well and the housing situation. But this one is, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think of the widow who, who sent in a text the other day saying yeah. she goes to bed hungry. I mean, hungry. It's, it's yeah. 2022, not 1922. Exactly. They're not living in the real world. They're not. And, I, you know, I, am, I thought the social justice and all this was coming in. I thought they would have been strong enough to fight for the people that need it. But yeah. I don't and you're know. Busy. I really don't know. You're busy as always, Rose in Taris Jock. It's Seamus is our backbone and he does amazing work behind the scenes that no one knows about. Who's she- who is Seamus? Seamus O'Sullivan. <laughs> yeah. He works with us. He's the man that brings the stuff to us. He's the man that draws the stuff to us. And he's the man that, that keeps us all going. He uh, does amazing work. And there's ten of 12 girls now and they do all their own bits behind the scenes as well. Make sure everyone is okay. Make sure they have a letter. Make sure they have a card. So it's just we still get the balls from what we do, and we help. We're absolutely delighted with the support we're getting from the community. Okay, the community are brilliant, but you're you're a great bunch. But just to to get that word out, I suppose, yeah, in Dunmanway to, to anyone listening who is struggling, yeah. and you know if. If they, you know, if they, to approach you, I suppose. It's it's a hard, it's such a hard thing to do. No, don't be cold. Don't be hungry. Yeah. Um, we'll do the best we can. That's the message. Don't be cold. Don't be hungry. Listen, <coughs> you're you're brilliant. You're just a brilliant, brilliant bunch of uh, people. Keep flying the flag in in Dunmanway, Rose. We will indeed. And thanks a million for contacting us. We will indeed. God bless. Bye bye. God bless. Uh, take care. God, two euro for a coat in a in a second hand in a charity shop, and the woman didn't have it. <sighs> Yeah, that sums it up, doesn't it? It it really does. 
Uh, John in Cork says, uh, Patricia, with inflation rising rapidly, will our old age pensioners be left behind? They're likely to get the minimum increase in their pension in the next budget, i.e. five euro. Is this an ideal time for our pensioners to form their own political party to fight for better benefits? With the rise in popularity in Sinn Féin and parties to the left, the present government will find it hard to form a coalition in the next election. A new party would not need many seats to to perhaps hold the balance of power. They might end up getting a Tony Gregory-style deal. We have many talented pensioners in each county in this country. They could bring a wealth of life experience with them. For example, here in Cork, John in Cork is nominating our own great Paddy O'Brien, who understands the needs of older uh, people. What do your other listeners think? So a political party just for older people, says uh, John, and see if they could get into power. Uh, Tim says, Patricia, on the €200 electricity rebate that people will be uh, given, we were vaguely told at Christmas that we were going to get it in March. Now we've been told it's going to land sometime in April. Last year, the fuel allowance was prolonged by a few weeks. There's no talk of it being prolonged this year but instead they're giving a payment of €125 a one-off payment that's equal to about what the extension of four weeks was last year. But was it mentioned that the money would not be paid until the end of the year? No, no, you're on on that Tim. It's going to be paid. They're reckoning around St. Patrick's Day or that St. Patrick's weekend that's when it's going to be paid. Uh, Tim says uh, politicians live from day to day they know nothing of economic forces. Political correspondents should wake up. There's another crash to come because the recovery from the last one was too sudden and the international situation is worse than it was 10 uh, years ago. That's from Tim. Someone else says everyone should up sticks and move to Canada. They have a fantastic high standard of living and lifestyle. All this scrimping and scraping is a waste of time. But you know, the Canadians have their own, I won't get into it, but the Canadians have their own problems at the moment uh, as well. OK, that's some of your calls and comments uh, coming in. Lines remain open, as does the text and WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Let's get some movie suggestions for the weekend with Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you're welcome along. Okay, two movies for us The Power of the Dog and Black Friday. And we have a trailer from The Power of the Dog. 25 years since our first run together. 1900 and nothing. It's a long time. What you doing? Getting mixed up with her. You are marvelous, Rose. We were married Sunday. Little lady made these. I did, sir. Open up the gate, let him out. You sure he's not ready? Go on, let him out. It's just a man meter. A man was made by patience and the odds against him. For what kind of man would I be if I did not help my mother? Now, I have to say, I hadn't heard of this movie until the Oscar nominations the other day and it suddenly shot up on my radar because I think it got something like 12 nods for the Oscars. 
It has been uh, given 12 uh, Oscar nominations, yeah. I mean, pretty much anybody and everybody involved in the film has been nominated. Um, not necessarily always kind of deserved. I think uh, I think Jesse Plemons, for example, isn't given a, a great deal to do in the film. And what he does is quite well, but he too has been nominated as well. And I think it's just basically because of uh, the, the regard that people have uh, for this film, which I can understand completely because, um, you know, this is a film that will kind of divide an awful lot of people. I think, uh, you know, there will be those who say, look, it's just a piece of arty nonsense. Whereas there are those who will say, of course, this is kind of proper filmmaking. And it's movies like this anyway, that does tend to kind of nominate it. Unlike something like, say, uh, Spider-Man. I mean, I had the, the best time I had watching a movie <laughs> this past 12 months was watching Spider-Man. But of course, Spider-Man won't be nominated because it's not considered to be kind of proper filmmaking whereas this is and this is uh, directed by jane campion who of course um is probably best known for the piano oh and i it's, love it's that movie in, yes exactly and it's filmed in that kind of very very kind of slow moving kind of very deliberate kind of way so this isn't your old-fashioned john wayne rollicking western let me make that quite clear so it will i think um you know i think there are people who will have problems with this but i think if you want to sit there it's a long film for two and a half hours but if you want to sit there and just enjoy uh, beauty on the screen uh, and and brilliant performances then I think this is kind of a film that uh, you will certainly enjoy. I did enjoy it. Uh, the soundtrack has also been nominated. That, if, if anything I, about, the, about the film I didn't enjoy was the soundtrack. You probably heard a little bit of the violin there and there's an awful lot of that kind of screechy violin throughout the whole film. It's the kind of thing that we've heard this kind of thing before but uh, the, um, the, the soundtrack has also been nominated uh, as well. So basically it's the story about uh, these two very very different brothers. Oh by the way, even though it's a West Western, it, it's meant to be set in Montana back in 1927. The film is actually filmed in uh, New Zealand, huh. and um, and when you're watching this, you really truly believe you're you know you're looking at the plains and mountains of uh, of Montana. It's extraordinary, and uh, it looks amazing. It's a BBC film with a British actor playing an American cowboy which is kind of interesting. Um, and it's about these kind of two brothers who are very, very different. They're uh, cattle ranchers in Montana back in uh, the 1920s. Uh, Jesse Plemons plays the, the brother who's kind of very much into kind of the way he looks and he's into the best things in life and, uh, you know, the, the best suits. Whereas... Benedict Cumberbatch playing the character of Phil Burbank is completely different. He never he never showers. He consider, considers himself to be um, you know a proper cowboy. He's very aggressive and he's quite violent. Um, Jesse Plemons' brother then gets to know Kirsten Dunst, who comes to town and opens a restaurant with her very um, kind of sensitive son, here played by Cody Smith McPhee. Of course, Benedict takes a complete dislike to both of them because he considers that Kirsten Dunst is only after his brother's money and then, of course, considers the character of um, Peter Gordon, played by Cody Smith McPhee, as a kind of a, an effeminate character and, and a, a kind of a, and a, a character that's completely out of character for that time. And so, therefore, he begins to bully Cody Smith McPhee. Um, Throughout the film, though, um, everybody seems to have a kind of a backstory. Everybody seems to have um, um, a reason why they are the way they are. And that begins to kind of slowly kind of appear as the film goes on. I mean, not an awful lot happens an awful lot of the time, which, again, people might have problems with. But I didn't. I thought it was very, very beautiful as it kind of dealt with a lot of kind of sexual repression and um, 
um, which every now and then then would expose itself as aggression and violence as well. So I thought that was really, really fascinating and interesting. Benedict Cumberbatch is fabulous here. I've had problems with his American accent in the past, especially as, um, as uh, you know, his Marvel ca characters um, except, except exposed his bad American accent every now and then. But he does well here. I think that kind of Midwestern kind of American accent is kind of better and easier to do. And I didn't realize Benedict was kind of um, was a method actor because uh, he and Kirsten Dunst, because of their dislike on screen, they decided not to communicate at all throughout the whole film. They didn't even talk throughout the whole filming. And because of the, his character, Phil here, uh, never showers, he decided not to shower and didn't shower for about the first three weeks of filming until somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, look, you know, this can't go on. Something has to be done here. Uh, so um, it's very slow moving, yes, but I thought it was fascinating and I, I really liked it very much indeed. OK, well done. And Mark, the power of the dog out of 10? I'll give it eight. Eight out of ten. Okay, actually, when yeah. we're seeing, as we mentioned, the Oscars, I was thrilled for um, Jesse Buckley. I'm a big fan of, I don't know if you're a fan of Jesse Buckley from Kerry. Well, the thing about Jesse Buckley is that uh, not many people really still know of her, but yeah. in Hollywood circles, she's very, very well regarded. And every time you see her on screen, she's absolutely terrific. And uh, I was delighted for her as well. Because she wasn't rated in the, in the talk, well, from an Irish point of view, in the talk coming up, it was about the other two Irish actresses and nobody was mentioning Jesse Buckley as a possible nominee. So when I heard her name being called out, I was delighted. OK. All right. Uh, Black Friday then is your second movie. What's this about? Uh, this is about zombies, uh, Patricia. Oh, uh, do you like, do you oh, like no. movies about zombies? Not a zombie <laughs> fan at all. But I know there are people out there who absolutely adore zombie movies. Uh, they do. And there's plenty of them as well. And uh, the interesting thing is, I think this is about the 10th film that's been called Black Friday. If you if you kind of put kind of Black Friday into a search engine, you're going to get a whole host of films where you've got to try and pick out the one uh, that you want. Um, this is a film made by a guy by the name of Casey Tebow, who has obviously grown up watching uh, a lot of these movies down throughout the years. Um, the film uh, stars one of those great stars of zombie movies in the past. Bruce Campbell is in this, and uh, he's probably best known for the like, films of um, Army of the Dead, Army of Darkness and um, and films like that. So he has made a lot of zombie films uh, in the past. Obviously, the director here is obviously influenced by Shaun of the Dead because it, that too is very, very similar. I think that if I was to kind of make and have a criticism of the film, I mean, that's the problem here. He's obviously been influenced by a lot of the kind of George A. Romero films and so on and uh, basically reproduced them here on screen. And basically, when I was watching it, I was thinking, I've seen all this before. This is nothing new to me. But again, I've, I've mentioned before, if you haven't seen a zombie movie in your life, <laughs> then you might kind of think it's kind of very entertaining. Um, and, you know, it's basically Black Friday refers to the Black Friday sales. It's about a group of people who work in in a shop, an electrical shop, and they're waiting for the Black Friday doors to open. Uh, somebody gets infected very early on, and then the film is about their battle uh, in the store, using every kind of implement that they can find to kind of fight back against uh, the zombies. And basically, as I said, it's it's, it's everything we've uh, we've seen before, which is, I think is a kind of a terrible shame. Um, and so I was quite bored with it, even though it's about an hour and a half long. Um, I just found it very repetitive, and we'd seen it all before. And people in the film kind of don't really behave the way they kind of should do. At one stage, one of the members of the staff uh, gets attacked by a zombie. He fights back. The staff then think that he has attacked a woman without realizing that it was a zombie. And then they would keep questioning him. And instead of him just going, I was attacked by a zombie, he would say, she was crazy. And they go, well, Black Friday does that to you. No, she went completely crazy. She went mad. She was really violent. Well, Black Friday does that thing to you. You know, so the joke sometimes kind of 
kind of you become tired of kind of the repetitive nature of some of the jokes. Um, but look, you know, it's a nice tribute if you look at it that way uh, to the films of George Romero and also maybe Shaun of the Dead and films like Army of Darkness. Um, but it's 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 we've seen all this before. But I was mildly entertained by it. It's not as funny as I would have liked to have seen. Um, but uh, beware, there are there's guts and blood uh, galore. See, that's that's <laughs> that's what that's what I that's what I can't stand about the zombie movies. That's why I've never ever liked them but if it's your first time ever coming to a zombie movie it looks like it might be one for you Black Friday mark it out of 10 I'll give it 6 6 out of 10 alright listen Mark thank you for that have a lovely week and we'll chat again next Friday you too. that's uh, Mark Malone our movie review that's why I leave you for today Nick up next thanks John Paul talk to you Monday Paul today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.